Truth and Fire, the podcast is brought to you by truthandfire.com, where we explore faith and pop culture from a witty Christian perspective. Welcome to another installment of Truth and Fire, the podcast, which picks up where Truth and Fire, the blog leaves off. I'm your host, Verite Feu, and you can find me at V-E-R-I-T-E-E-T-F-E-U on all social media platforms. Today, we'll be talking about abortion, namely the fallout from the recent passage of near-total abortion bans in various states. How has each side in the pro-choice, pro-life debate stood their ground? Is overturning Roe v. Wade even realistic? And where, in the midst of all of this, does the gospel stand? All of this and more when we return. Welcome back. This is episode 10 of Truth and Fire, the podcast. I'm your host, Verite Feu, which simply means truth and fire en français. So as you guys may hear in my voice, I am very much under the weather. Um, I believe that this is brought on by allergies. However, I'm beginning to... Um, I'm beginning to be convinced that this may be a summer cold. I am not sure what's going on, but I can barely breathe. (laughs) My voice is, um, super deep and, um, it's taking me, uh, it's taking a lot out of me to push my words out. So this is likely going to be a very short episode. I'm just going to get in, get out and, and get some rest, um, and ironically, I am recording today from Atlanta, Georgia, my hometown. Um, okay, we all know that Georgia is in the news right now because of its near total abortion ban that was recently passed. And I'm here for it. You know, I'm not I'm not in come to Georgia because of the passage, but I'm, I'm, I agree with what they decided to do. Um, but I actually came in town um, to support my nephew who um, just graduated eighth grade. <laughs> so um, the family was celebrating his graduation today. It's a big deal for him. Um, and of course, it's a big deal for us because our very first babykins, um, my mother's very first grandson, my very first nephew, and my sister's very first child is now off to high school. So it's a big deal for our family. Um, so we'll be, we were celebrating that today. But I am recording um, from Atlanta, Georgia, which right now uh, the state of Georgia is in the news thanks to its near total abortion ban that it has passed. Actually, um, Georgia's bill comes on the heels of the abortion ban that was passed in Ohio last month, in the month of April, um, that is considered the heartbeat bill. Basically, it restricts abortions past the five or six week mark when the heartbeat um, is detected. Um, and so that that restriction is now in place in Ohio. Um, a similar restriction is now in place in Georgia. And of course, the one that really set it off is Alabama, <laughs> which not only places um, similar restrictions on when an abortion can be um carried out, but on the penalties for it, um, it places some very heavy restrictions on those who perform abortions. Um, it does not penalize the mother. Uh, so there is no jail time or no fines or anything like that in place for the mother. However, for the doctors, um, because they are professionals, they understand, um, 
things regarding, you know, life and uh, they know exactly what they're doing. They are now holding those individuals accountable for taking a human life. And so if they go in and perform an abortion, they could face as much as 99 years in prison. So that is probably the most um, not only restrictive, but the most um well, I'll just, put, I'll just say controversial um, bans that has come to be in recent weeks. So um, on the heels of all of this, there has been a lot of contention between the pro-choice and pro-life um, movements. Um, of course, you know, these camps have always been at odds regarding abortion. However, it seems that everyone has taken up their arguments a notch. Um, and if you all recall, a few months ago, New York and I believe Virginia, I think Virginia's law got, got, um, their bill got, uh, uh, opposed. However, in New York, they were able to successfully, um, pass a bill that allows abortion even up until the point of delivery. Um, if of course they say, if they feel that the doctor, if they feel that the, the mother's life is in danger and those particular, um, exceptions do not, they weren't very, uh, they're very vague. So it's not clear on if it's, you know, the mother's literally dying on the table at the time, or if it's just a matter of, you know, the mother's just doesn't feel mentally ready. She gets to the point of pushing the baby out. She goes, you know what? I, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm freaking out, you know? And so at that point they could very well claim that the life of the mother is at stake. Um, she's not mentally prepared for a child. And so at that point they could then abort the child. Okay. So this is no longer a matter of a, a clump of sales. This is a child that is about to be pushed out, um, that is about to be delivered. So with all of these things that, that have happened, um, in, I believe from what I've seen, there's been so much extreme on the left, as they say on the left, which would be the pro choice or the pro abortion side, um, that I think those bills were so extreme it has caused, of course, um, other states to respond um, with extreme measures. It, it, at least that's what it appears to me. And because um, these particular states are pushing uh, to ban abortion, of course, their goal is to trigger um, Supreme, a Supreme Court um a Supreme Court case to effectively, hopefully overturn Roe v. Wade because the majority of the Supreme Court is now conservative. The majority of those sitting on the Supreme Court are pro-life. And so the thought is by putting these very uh, restrictive or extreme um, abortion uh, policies in place in these several states, it will launch an all-out, um, it will trigger an all-out um, um, debate within the Supreme Court to argue whether or not um, a woman really does have the right to choose, at least at, by a particular point, okay? Okay, so let's get into this really quickly. Let's talk about how each um, side has been standing their ground. Um, and let me talk about my personal take on it. So if you guys hear any any noise in the background, that would be my niece and nephew making noise. Going, Good, well, I'm recording. <laughs> but it's okay. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia to celebrate uh, my nephew's graduation. Um, and would you like to say anything, sir? That was <laughs> that was him saying, "What's up?" <laughs> Would you like to say anything, man? Hello, you guys. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, um, 
really quickly before I get into how each side stands their ground let me tell you where I stand on abortion I am pro-life um, I used to be pro-choice um, growing up of course without a father and, and just assuming that most people that I knew in the environment that I grew up in most people didn't have dads and most people were low um, income and low income um households so I just looked at it from an economic standpoint and a and an accountability standpoint um, I felt like because it seemed like the men w- were able to skirt their responsibilities and now these women are left to, to care for children that um, these men helped them create so if the man could run and go missing um, from his responsibilities then why can't women have an abortion um so that's how i felt for a long time up until the age of 16 um until um it was at some point in high school i wrote a paper on abortion and um looked at the stats and of course i'm going in pro-choice at this point um i wasn't looking to have my my views on abortion changed i was just doing a research paper and as i was doing my research i began to find a lot of statistics that talked about why abortions um took place and who who had abortions and what those what those um circumstances looked like and when i learned that in the majority of the cases and when i say majority i mean nearly 100 percent. so we're talking about anywhere between 97 to 99 percent of the time abortions are elected simply for the convenience of the mother um so issues regarding rape incest the health of the mother things like that those are very small very very small uh, percentages now <laughs> um, so those were very small <laughs> percentages. Um, so it's anywhere between um, a half a percent and to like up to two percent um, over the years is what I've seen. Also, what I've seen or what I saw at the time that I was doing my paper, sir, you gonna get your candy out? Okay, <laughs> they do not care that I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> But God bless them. I love my babies. Um, And so, um, so basically, yeah, the stats really convinced me that this was really wrong, that the majority of the people, um, the women that were getting abortions were single and they just didn't want to be a single mother. And I'm thinking to myself, like, wait a minute now, if we're going to fault these men for skirting their responsibilities, is it really fair to give these women um, a pass? for skirting theirs and I and I thought about it and over um, the process of writing that paper I was converted over to the pro-life side of things so I've been pro-life at this point for 20 some odd years um, um, I don't even think I did the I don't even think I stopped in the middle where it was the I don't agree with abortion for myself but if anybody no I just kind of felt like no this is wrong when I learned that the majority of the reason women had abortions were to um were out of convenience um and just going into my nephew's story really quickly i have i do have permission to share this um he was born with a cleft palate and a cleft lip and as i mentioned earlier he's the first um he's the first um grandchild he's the first child for my he's the first grandchild for my mother the first child for my sister and my first um nephew so he made me an auntie and so um when my sister learned that he had a cleft palate and a cleft lip and for those who don't know what that means it's just basically when a a piece of the when the when the skin doesn't fully develop at the for the lips and for the um for the gums is am I saying it right? He's laughing. So um, 
when he was a little bit older, he was able to get surgery. He was able to go through speech therapy and things like that. But um, he grew up um, with a cleft lip and a cleft palate, or he was born with a cleft lip and a cleft palate. And one thing I loved about my sister's response when she learned about this, she she loved her baby anyway. You know, you hear a lot of people talking about, well, what about birth defects and what about this? And, you know, my sister was like, this is my child and I'm going to have him and we're going to figure this out. I'm going to love him anyway. And I remember the day that he was born, how overjoyed she was to have him. And we were all very happy. And we, though we knew he was going to be born with this, we did not see it. We didn't see it. Um, we saw it in, in, the sen- in the sense that it's there, it was there, but we didn't think any less of him as a human being, as a child. We loved him all the same. And fast forward 14 years later, um, his cleft lip and palate have both been surgically uh, repaired. And he's now on his way to high school. Yeah. High five. Oh, <laughs> you don't want to give me high five. But anyway, um, so I just wanted to share that little testimony really quickly about um, my nephew. However, um, you know, you have people who stand their ground on abortion for hypothetical reasons or philosophical reasons, but um, I stand on my, you know, views from just basic facts. And then once I became a converted Christian, it just all made sense. It just all lined up in, ter- in terms of God's will for Um, humanity and understanding that at the end of the day, it is our job to speak out for those who who can't. It is our job to um, speak up for those without a voice. And many people often, you know, accuse the pro-life side of only speaking out when um, the child is inside the womb and not for those who are outside the womb. And while I 100% disagree with this characterization um let me express the logic behind why you may hear more voices coming out for um for pro-life or for for the for the benefit of those in the womb um in proverbs 31 8 it says hope open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die Um, And the unborn are speechless. They can't speak for themselves. They can't defend themselves. You have the mother. She's more than capable of defending herself. Um, You have the doctors who are able to justify their, you know, or at least attempt to to justify why they do what they do. But the children don't get a chance to speak for themselves. And so myself and others are speaking up for them. Um, Nevertheless, this is not precluded um, the pro-choice side from giving their various um, justifications. I call them excuses for why they support abortion. And um, I recently wrote a piece um, called Pro-Life, Pro-Logic Thoughts on Abortion um, that actually was just uh, published a couple days ago. So check that out at truthandfire.com when you get a chance. And in it, I discuss the logical fallacies behind the pro-choice um, arguments. Um, one is people feel like, oh, if you actually value the sanctity of life, then why is the death penalty legal? The death penalty is legal because there are people who do not value the sanctity of life. And in God's word, he allows for the retribution, the state sanctioned retribution um, or justice to be dispensed on behalf of the innocent. 
Okay. And so, because we know that the Lord hates the shedding of innocent blood, um, in Proverbs 6, 17, Deuteronomy 19, 10, Isaiah 59 and 7, Psalms 106, 38 and Jeremiah 22, 17 are just a few examples of, uh, how the Lord has utterly condemned, um, the practice of taking an innocent life. Okay. And so to, um, to exact his judgment, um, or his vengeance, so to speak for, for those who take, um, an innocent life, the death penalty exists. It has had, it has existed, um, since the old Testament. And we hear, um, we see that it is justified and, and, and has spoken of even in Romans 13, um, in Romans 13, one and seven, Paul is giving us um, an overview of the purpose of the government. And he's basically letting us know that the government serves God's purposes on earth to maintain his order. Okay. So we have the Holy spirit that helps us all retain our sanity uh, from becoming spiritual degenerates um, in, in, in place. And we also have, um, we also have our government. Of course, we have our the authorities that come from parents. Um, John MacArthur has a wonderful sermon on this about the different levels of restraint, right? And so the government is one of those levels of restraint, um, or at least it should be, it's supposed to be, um, for God's purposes. And so when wrongdoers do wrong, they can expect to be dealt with through uh, the government's justice. And Paul lets us know in Romans 13, 1 through 7, that the government carries the sword so they can exact justice and dispense retribution um, on behalf of the innocent. Okay. Um, and so ironically, while those who feel like um, abortion should be legalized because the death penalty is legal, that makes absolutely no sense because even if you feel like the death penalty is wrong, you should not say that abortion should be, uh, should be uh, legal. That doesn't make sense. And because uh, the death penalty exists, is no justification for why abortion should be legalized in our country. Again, the death penalty is to deal with those who have wrongly shed innocent blood, right? Um, who have committed murder. That is the definition of murder. The, the Bible says thou shalt not murder. When Exodus 20, 13 says thou shalt not kill is referring to murder, is referring to the shedding of innocent blood. Um, however, of course, we're not killing exacting judgment against one another individually, but in terms of um, the ultimate judgment regarding, um, you know, the, the order that is to be had in a state, the sovereignty of a state, the state does retain that right through, through God, um, as is spoken of in Romans uh, 13. And one thing that I thought was interesting when I was writing this piece is that um, when you look at the numbers of deaths that were caused by the by Roe v. Wade and by the death penalty, um, they there's just this stark disproportion. Um, so um, as I share in the piece, since 1973, when Roe v. Wade was made um, uh, made abortion legal for any reason, more than 60 million innocent lives have been taken. However, when the death penalty was reinstated in 1976, 1,497 individuals have been executed. Okay, so you have 60 million lives lost compared to less than 1,500 lives lost. Um, 60 million of those lives that were lost through abortion were all innocent. And people can speculate whether or not the lives of those 1,497 individuals were indeed innocent. But even if there were, if there was one who got um, 
who, who was innocent um, that was caught up in these numbers, their blood is definitely um, going to be avenged for because God does not um, take the shedding of innocent blood lightly. Um, so um, if in that case, if someone was, if the death penalty was applied to their case, it was done so wrongly and unjustly not because the death penalty in itself is designed to kill the innocent okay um and another stat that i thought was interesting is that since the death penalty was reinstated um in the past 30 years at least of the 29 states that have capital punishment laws um only nine actually carry out their capital punishment policies and each of those nine states average one execution per year um and they've done that since in the, in the last 30 years so i just thought that was interesting um an interesting take another position that the um pro life uh pro-choice i'm sorry that the pro-choice movement pushes is that you know there should be exceptions for rape um i talk about that in the piece it um and i and i don't believe that abortion should be had even in cases of rape because it still requires the mother to kill and take you know take the life of an innocent individual um and the thing about it is that the lord tells us that the that children shouldn't be put to death for the sins of their fathers. He says it's in Deuteronomy 24, 16 and Ezekiel 18, 19 through 20. Um, also that child is innocent, um, uh, of any, of any wrongdoing to the mother. So even as they were conceived out of, um, horrific experiences, God can still, um, and God will still extend his grace to those, to that child and to those children born under those circumstances. Um, there's another, there's a young lady by the name of Jennifer Christie, who was a victim of rape in 2014. Um, but she decided to keep her child. Um, and I thought her perspective was so refreshing. Um, she saw her child as a gift. She saw her child as a blessing and an opportunity, opportunity to show that love is stronger than hate. And Jennifer is actually married. Her husband, Jeff, who's raising the child, um, as his own, um, agrees that children born of rape, um, aren't reminders of the trauma or they don't have to be at least. Uh, but they are, as he says, quote, opportunities for healing and a way to find meaning from nightmarish, meaningless actions. Okay. So I just thought that was, um, such a beautiful perspective to have on this, on this topic. Um, I get the trauma that comes from, uh, rape and, um, sexual abuse. However, people have to keep in mind that two wrongs don't make a right as they always say so taking the life of an innocent child is never going to be the answer for the mother um in the long run because now she has to deal with the the guilt that comes from that and also the judgment from god that comes from that so um those are some things to consider i go into talking about more of reasons why rape um isn't justified in the piece so definitely check it out when you can some other positions i share here is the woman's right to choose which is always something that um, has thrown me off because it's kind of feel like, did you already choose my body, my choice? Did you not already choose what to do with your body? You in 98% of the time, in 98% of the cases, um, yeah, at least 98% of the cases you chose, you know, you were not a rape victim. You were not, um, a, a victim of incest or anything like that, which, um, stats bear out account for, um, like a 1.5% of, of these cases. So nine times out of 10, actually 9.999 times out of, out of 10, these abortions are being had because women just are 
they just they just they don't want to be inconvenienced and so i don't think that's right to have a policy uh, in place for the sake of um 1.5 percent right um and then the interesting thing before roe v wade was even passed abortion was legal um in several states for extreme and rare cases like it says like rape um like you know the mother the taking into account the life of the mother of the child so these things are really no excuse for roe v wade's existence um some other straw man arguments are about um child abuse and things like that so um get into the piece i, I go into more detail there as i mentioned i'm not feeling well so i can't uh, you know pushing out my words is, is a lot right now but um I would highly um, recommend everyone to check out the piece when they get a moment and just to really look into um, this uh, topic for yourselves um, to see where you you honestly stand, right? Um, It's not a matter of pushing off one's religious beliefs on on others. Uh, This is a, this is a, this is a matter of like human decency, right? Um, And the core of it all is determining uh, people have decided to dehumanize these individuals, these children. Um, that's how slavery was, um, you know, justified. And that's how the Holocaust was justified. Once you dehumanize someone, killing them is easy. You know, it becomes an easier, um, task, but when you really have to, um, deal with the fact, the reality of the human existence or the human life that you're, that you're about to take, um, you know, things change. And, and I think that was, um, I think that's a very important um, thing to consider, but these, these are children, that clump of cells is still a child. Yes. They, yes. It's not yet a fully formed person in terms of having, um, eyes and hands and feet and, you know, all of that. But the whole point, that's the whole point. The child needs the mother's womb to develop. That's the whole point of, a pre-k class oh well they can't really spell or write their names or you know um you know speak in coherent sentences or their reasoning faculties are not all together there but does it make them less human because they don't have those skills yet no they need us they need their parents they need their they need an environment a nurturing environment in which to grow and develop and that's the same for children in the womb um i just once a child is conceived that is a child period and so i wholly disagree with the idea that um women have the right to choose to abort a life that they in so many cases decided to um take the take you know decided to enter of who decided to make choices that led to the reproduction of a child right and even in the cases of rape um for example um that child did not ask to be you know a part of this and so if there is a way for the mother to you know um, consider the humanity of that child consider um the blessing that could come from having that child and if they just can't deal with the the prospect of raising that child uh, because it's just too traumatic for them then of course adoption is an option but killing the child is not going to solve anything it's just going to make matters worse um, for the mother um, if for no one else okay so um, I've just briefly briefly gone through a few of the excuses or justifications that one might offer up regarding um abortion and um 
after I wrote the piece, I came across quite a few more justifications that are just ridiculously outlandish. Um, in the piece itself, um, in pro life, pro logic thoughts on abortion, which you can find at truthandfire.com. I share, um, of, you know, about the, the logical fallacy between, you know, society holding men accountable for children that they create and telling men they should have thought about, um, the life that they were creating before they got the woman pregnant and blah, blah, blah. And so they still make the man, you know, get over themselves or they, you know, demand that the man, you know, gets over himself, buck up, take care of your responsibilities. But now we're giving women the right to just, you know, abort their responsibilities and treating them as victims. If that, that quote unquote right to, to murder, a, you know, a life that had, <laughs> that didn't ask to be, to be created. Um, they, they're giving that, that woman, um, the status as a victim. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of claims recently that abortion is morally right and abortion is um, is saves lives and um, pregnancy. There is one headline I can't find it right now, but there was one headline that said that abortion saves lives, and pregnancy kills. Right, and I just you know. I just, I can't, and, and, oh, and just as an aside, I did mention earlier that I'm recording this, um, in Atlanta, Georgia, I'm home, um, visiting family for my, for my nephew's graduation. So I am not, um, in my quiet little nook that I get to enjoy (laughs) at home, but I am definitely surrounded by my loving niece and nephews. And so you're going to hear a little bit of, of noise. So that's what kids do. And we love them all the same. But, you know, we're going to ask that they keep it to a minimum. Excuse me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So I'm going to ask them to keep it to a minimum. But, you know, at the same time, their kids, I'm in their home. um, So, you know, I don't want to totally take them away from doing what they need to do. And um, frankly, there's really no other place in the house to go. um, Because every place in the house has some activity going on. But, um... The show must go on. So in either case, um, so yeah, like I said, so we, we give women the pass to to skirt their responsibilities um, by aborting them, but we hold men accountable and we require that they pay child support. And when, if they don't, they go to jail. But the thought of a woman being penalized for um, having an abortion is just, it's just like unthought of, you know? Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, I my, my main thing is just if people would, think more about what it is they're getting into everybody knows that birth control is not 100% safe I mean um effective sorry everyone knows that birth control is not 100% effective everyone knows that um pregnancy is caused by sex unless you are a scientist working in a laboratory where you're you know doing artificial um reproduction or something like that which I don't agree with but unless you're doing that there's a good chance that your child um, came from um, s- some form of um, of uh, y- you making a choice with your what to do with your body. Hold on. Okay. Seriously, guys, come on. I know. I know. I'm just. Thank you. Okay. All right. <laughs> my goodness but anyway (laughs) um so 
yeah so a lot of these justifications are happening like people are like grasping for any old excuse to kill their child oh here we go hey come here come here come here this is my this is my other nephew come talk to the people come on don't be shy now he just he didn't he doesn't know what's going on so he just came into the room and come here come say hello 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 <laughs> hello <laughs> he's going to he just left pre-k he's on his way to kindergarten so that's my that's my second nephew I think this is the last one. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. So, so, but seriously. So, hey, Tate. Auntie's recording, sweetie. Shh. Okay. Oh. All right. So, <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. So, um, anyway, the, um, the excuses that people are giving to, um, to have the right, quote unquote, to kill their the unborn is just ridiculous. So now they're going so far as now they're going so far as saying that abortion is safer um, and, and and more morally correct or right than than pregnancy. So if this isn't an example of calling good evil and evil good, I don't know what is because we all know that. You know, pregnancy is um, a function of um, reproduction that the Lord has put in place. So we can't sooner assume that um, or believe that pregnancy is just something that's just terrible. Um, the feminist movement is really quick to talk about how women have all this power and a lot of it a lot of it rests in our they, they've even made us divine in some areas there are women who um make women divine because of our ability to um bear children but now all of a sudden now that abortion bans have been popping up left and right abortion is going to kill us i mean uh having babies is going to kill us i just find that to be an odd switch you know our feminine energy our inner goddess our divine energy our wombs of steel our power and all of that that a lot of these women talk about um it's just out the window now that we have these <laughs> abortion bands <laughs> they're like abortion bands i gotta actually carry these babies like oh so now all of my divine energy is is uh turned into mush like no, I can't, i'm not gonna do this i'm not gonna be able to do it um but in either case um so let's talk about the reality of roe v wade being overturned so um i actually think that it can be i believe that looking at our political landscape i do believe that um roe v wade can be and will be overturned i think the possibility of it is very much or the reality of it is very much possible um I'm looking at a few logical things here. So first, our Supreme Court is mostly conservative. They're mostly pro-life. That's number one. Number two, our Supreme Court justices, they um, serve for their lifetime, right? So how, you know, and then we're looking at um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She's older. People are, people are like waiting on her. Like, child, people, <laughs> this thing is bad. People are getting to the point where they're waiting on folks to just die. Lord, help us. Um, but so we have a majority, um, 
majority um, conservative Supreme Court. And we're looking at the fact that they serve for their lifetime. So even as President Trump is, you know, gearing up to um, run for reelection for a second term, even if he does not win, there is a good chance that um, there's a good chance that the Supreme Court would still overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, the one thing, though, uh, well, let me say this. Um, the thing about it, and another reason, the third reason why I believe it's possible is just from precedent, just looking at history and how the Supreme Court was able to um, overturn or overrule their own decisions. Because um, we know that with um, Plessy versus Ferguson, um, that was overturned, that particular case upheld the the thought that you know racial segregation the separate but equal separate separate but equal equal i cannot get that out the separate but equal um um clause uh, just letting it just legitimizing the fact that um racial segregation was okay as long as everybody had you know equal accommodations um which we know those accommodations were not equal but that's a whole nother topic um on top of that though that was overruled by um brown versus board of education in um 1954 and that particular one um was basically ruling for integration and so when we're looking at these dates plessy versus ferguson was ruled in 1896 and then we're looking at Brown versus the Board of Education being um, overruling that case um, in 1954. So this is um, what about almost 60 years? Almost 60 years? Am I saying this right? 96 to 54. So yeah, almost 60 years. So Roe v. Wade has been on the books for over 40. Was it 1973? This is 2019. So, yeah, well over 40 years, well, well, well over 40 years. Right. So if Plessy versus Ferguson could be overturned or overruled, so can Roe v. Wade. So the reality of this particular um, case being overturned is possible. Um, However, even if it can be overturned, it's most likely going to just remand those rights back to the states to decide whether or not they want abortion. And because we are in an increasingly lawless society, because we are living in the last days, my fellow Christians who understand what I mean, because we're living in a world where all, you know, darkness is just going to abound, lawlessness is going to abound, then, um, I can very much see that a lot of states will still support abortion. They may even support it in the more extreme cases in terms of there's basically going to be like a a nice extreme. There's going to be those states that will give way to um, um, to uh, what is it called? Not partial birth. Yeah. Partial birth abortions. Um, Those abortions that are. that are allowed pretty much up until the point that the child is about to be born. Um, so I can see that happening and I can see a staunch, um, I guess, opposition coming from those states that would support um, pro-life. And those would be the states that would penalize um, those doctors and maybe even the women. For So it was, it's, it's pretty much going to be, I can see a, a, a stark a pretty strong divide happening um, with this particular case. So, A, I believe Roe v. Wade can be overruled. B, I believe that the fallout is not going to be pretty. So, 
Um, in either case, we are looking at um, a lot of foolery to be going down in America for the next hundred years or so, unless Jesus comes back before then. Because <laughs> it's <laughs> this is crazy. Um, and what I think people don't understand about why um, pro-lifers, which includes Christians, which undoubtedly includes Christians, um, why they're so vocal, again, based on what I said earlier, it's definitely we're looking at the you know speaking up for those who can't speak up for themselves and then also the judgment that shedding all this innocent blood brings upon a nation right um this isn't going to this isn't going to be cleared up anytime soon it would honestly take everyone in america to repent you know individually and call on the lord jesus but in the meantime what we have is speaking through our laws and so i believe that by the united states as a country from a federal level overturning roe v wade that would be a a great thing however these individual states would still have to deal with um what they decide to do and for those states that would keep abortion in place and most likely vote for more extreme cases like partial birth abortions and things like that i can see a lot of um a lot of judgment coming upon those particular uh, states um so what is the answer to all this at the end of the day what conundrum um would overturning roe v wade put us in um again as i mentioned the fallout would be the fallout would be basically the state's being pretty extreme with their with their abortion laws um some states that are pro-choice would likely allow abortion all the way up until you know the child is pretty much born um all the way up until nine months and then you would have those states that are pretty extreme that would um likely penalize the doctors and or mothers um for for the um for 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 the abortion procedure and so with that said, we're not going to see for those um, Christians, um, the uh, the evangelical Christian, the American, the America Christians, this is the best way to put it. For those who kind of look at America as God country, who look at our nation as and who look at President Trump as a savior for our nation, um... God put Trump in place. Yes, I, I definitely believe that. And and I share this in a piece um, that I wrote um, shortly after his election. I do believe that God put Donald Trump in place. Um, I believe, though, that his presidency is a combination of judgment and mercy. <laughs> the judgment coming that we see the foolery that's been going on since his election we have not had a day's rest um the resistance that those who oppose him have pushed against him we can't get much done um he's not well respected um he himself you know his his personality at least um is leaves something to be desired um it doesn't very much reflect that of a leader um, however, one thing I do like about Trump is that he does what he says he's going to do. He's pretty much been pretty, um, pretty good at keeping his word, so to speak. I want to be careful in how I say phrase that, but he's been pretty good about, you know, following through on his campaign promises. Um, however, um, we don't need to rest on our laurels, Christians, that though he may put things in place regarding freedom of religion though he may block um policies which would restrict our freedom of speech 
um, things like that. Though he may, um, you know, vocally or verbally, um, you know, disagree with abortion and um, homosexual marriage or whatever the case may be. Even still, um, for all of the quote unquote good things that Trump will be doing that would benefit Christians is not to benefit us as Americans. It's to benefit us for the kingdom. It gives us more time to share the gospel. It gives us more time to freely exercise um our rights under of course u.s law but more so to freely do what the lord asked us to do we already know that our freedom of speech is protected by god not by the constitution okay the lord tells us to say something we need to say it um he tells us to share his word he's going to make sure we're able to do that and he's going to give us the grace um to get that done so that's one thing we have to keep in mind however the ease in which we're able to share the gospel here in america is not something that we should be taking for granted um and i do believe that uh, president trump is protecting that right um our religious freedoms and things like that but it's not for the benefit of America. It's for the benefit of us getting the gospel message out. Because as I mentioned, I believe Roe v. Wade can be overturned. The reality of Roe v. Wade being overturned is very much possible. With that, them remanding, possibly remanding the rights back to the states to decide for themselves what abortion, um, what abortion policies they will put in place. It's a good chance that those states will decide to go pro-abortion. And then there will be some states like Alabama, like Georgia, like Ohio, maybe Mississippi, um, states in the in the in the Bible Belt and in the you know in the south of the Bible Belt, Midwest, things like that. Those states, we will definitely be a country divided. So with that, there is no sure shot way to ensure that women will not get abortions. Okay. They're still going to do it some kind of way. Um, people were talking about back alley abortions and things like that to use that as an excuse for why abortion should be legal is stupid to me because I feel like if you decide as a woman, after having made a choice to lie down with some, someone's son, knowing the possibility of getting pregnant, you get pregnant. You don't like the idea that you're pregnant. I don't know. You missed a pill. Who knows? Whatever. You decide that because abortion is illegal, you are going to go to some back alley doctor to get one done. You're going to risk now your life to get one done. That's your decision. That's your de- your body, your choice. That's your decision. That's not the state's fault that you chose to now go to some back alley doctor to get a baby ripped out of you. Or if uh, those doctors aren't available, if they will be penalized, you would then do it yourself. You are an idiot if you would decide to do that. So abortion being legal or illegal has nothing to do with whether or not you will be stupid enough to go put a coat coat hanger where it doesn't belong to take out a baby. Like I, for people to use that as an excuse is beyond me. Abortions. Uh, uh, if you, what is it? If you, um, without legal abortions, then women die. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And why would those women die? Let's ask that question. And why would they die? Cause they're going to go to a back alley doctor. And why would they do that? Because they make stupid decisions. Okay, let's just put it out there. Like, let's stop playing these games. But anyway, I bring this up because regardless of what happens with Roe v. Wade, 
right? Either women are going to continue to, you know, have the ability to go get abortions without any restrictions or whatnot. That's a problem. If Roe v. Wade is overturned, um, we're still going to have division amongst the states. We're deciding which, you know, if they're going to be pro-choice or pro-life. So the issue of abortion in America is not over. It would not be over with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I need everybody to understand that. The only way to prevent abortion, the only way to prevent a, a, a young lady to uh, from from getting it from getting an abortion is from her being born again having a change of heart she's going to have to have as you know some would say an encounter with jesus she's going to have to be born again she's going to have to be saved she's going to have to be able to understand scripture and the reality that god is and and why um his 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 ways are his ways She's going to have to become a born again Christian. Okay. That's the only way. All right. Um, to ensure that she will not get one. Um, and, and people, oh, well, Christians, I'm, when I, when I say born again, Christian, I'm not talking about people who profess to be Christian. I'm talking about people who are now indwelled by the Holy spirit, who is able to, um, guide us and who does guide us and corrects us. Right. Um, guide us to all truth. Right. So we need to share the gospel. We can push for um, pro-life all day long. We can give people the logical reasons why their for why their position is illogical. We can um, um, appoint justices to the Supreme Court. We can do all of these things, but nothing is going to stop a woman who is a slave to sin from suppressing the truth and seeking a way to kill the unborn there's just no way to guarantee that unless she is uh there's no way to guarantee that she would not do that unless she's born again and i, I want to say guarantee but you know what i mean um if 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 our goal is to get women to not get abortions we need to give them the gospel so that they can meet uh christ and have an encounter with him for themselves um i keep saying encounter y'all know a good way what i mean <laughs> but for them to be born again right they have to be born again of the holy spirit right so that they can be convicted and that their mind can be renewed and so that their heart can be cleansed of this wickedness just the wickedness of indwelling sin okay they need to be sanctified out of this error that's the only way that's the only way i went to see um unplanned that was a great movie um you know in general just just in, from the topic of abortion that was a great movie and i've heard the um uh abby uh the 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 young lady upon whom the, the story is based um i've heard her speak i think abby johnson yes i've heard abby johnson speak about um converting people over to being pro-life people need to be converted over to being um in christ who is the way the truth and the life okay so i'm not discounting the good of any of these efforts if you want to get out there and tell people to not get abortions because it just doesn't make any logical sense for the sake of human decency um just for the sake of the life of the unborn for if getting over if you want to protest and have roe v wade overturned if you want to um stand outside of planned parenthood and you know hold up signs which i don't know if those scare tactics are necessarily well i mean i don't the pictures are fine but as far as the the people who stand outside of places like you're gonna burn you're gonna die you're gonna go to hell like i just feel like 
<laughs> to preach that message to people and not tell them about the gospel like yeah they will they will uh they definitely will um perish in their sins if they don't repent but people need to tell people the bigger picture like it's this is the gospel that they need to hear and um yes sinning will send you to hell but can you please give them the grace that is christ let them know that there is there is hope and grace and peace and forgiveness in jesus christ like don't leave that part out that these uh westboro baptist church tactics like throw me like come on dude um but in terms they're not lying they're just not um they're not telling the truth in love speaking the truth in love people let me back up people often talk about speaking the truth in love um as far as tone speaking the truth in love and tone can 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 be helpful right but speaking the truth in love is giving people the whole truth okay speaking the truth in love is telling people the good the bad and the ugly letting them know the whole shebang yes you will die in your sins if you don't repent therefore repent because christ came and atoned for your sins on the cross and if you believe upon believe on him you will be saved confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god rose him from the dead you will be saved right and from that you will um, do the works in keeping with repentance. You will be born again. You will be sanctified out of sin. You will be um, indwelled by the Holy Spirit who will correct you and guide you to all truth, right? So we know this, but to just sit up there and tell them, you're going to die, you're going to die, like that part, like we, we got to give people the whole thing. There's nothing wrong with telling people that they will perish. People need to understand the sin. They need to understand the gravity of their sin, but we also have to give them um, the full the full picture Um so I just wanted to put that out there. Um, but with that said, um, yes, all these efforts that we're putting forth to speak up for the for the right to life for those that are unborn and these policies and these politics that we may find ourselves in, even as Christians, um, we really need to keep in mind that ultimately we need to be sharing the gospel with people. We need to be letting folks know about Christ and the hope they have in him. If there's a young lady that you know who's had an abortion, let her know the hope that there is in Christ for forgiveness, okay? And repent that she repent and that she believe on him to be saved, okay? If there's a young lady who's thinking about abortion, let her know, tell her about her options, but let her know about Christ. This is from our Christians now, okay? So that's... The gospel needs to be preached at every level of this, because no matter what we do in our human strength, nothing is going to be enough to stop someone from getting an abortion if they want an abortion. As they said, if you take away, the, if, if you if you um, make abortions illegal, women will die. People are so desperate and so in love with their sin. They don't see it that way. But we know that this is ultimately the sin of suppressing the truth and pride people love their sin they don't want to give up the ability to just have indiscriminate sex and you know live live with their boyfriends for a thousand years on end and have their babies or not have their babies or whatever people don't want to deal with the reality that god is and that there's consequences to be had for not going um to for not um living according to his ways right so they're going to make up rules for themselves even to the point of going to a back alley doctor or doing performing an abortion themselves drinking some kind of tea that's supposed to abort the baby that's going to actually cause them more harm than good 
that's how desperate people are not because abortion is illegal but because people are desperately wicked their hearts are desperately wicked that's why so make sure we're sharing the gospel with people make sure we're sharing the gospel at every level i don't have a problem with people speaking up about the the illogical aspects of pro-choice um and and for them doing apologetics and and pleading to the government things i have no i don't have any problem with that same thing for my quote-unquote sjw's if you want to say if you want to speak up for the rights of the the poor and the oppressed because you're looking at it only from a physical standpoint you're not looking at this as a spiritual issue right um but if you want to speak up for the poor and the oppressed can you please also share the gospel with them because peter said silver and gold i do not have right so there may not be a way to actually deal with their actual practical um needs or issues or deficiencies in this life but these things can be all um, remedied through eternal life through through the gospel uh, which offers eternal life okay so we're not going to see the end of abortion in america newsflash we're not going to see the end of women and maybe men and men of course um, these women and men who are desiring to kill the unborn. We're not going to see the end of it, even with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. It's just not going to happen. Because at the end of the day, everybody in America is not a born-again Christian. This is not a Christian nation. <laughs> there have been Christian principles upon which things were been founded and built. But individuals, these individuals in this country are not living and not actually practicing Christian. The, the Christian these Christian principles right so we're not going to see the end of abortion we're not going to see the end of the, the the shedding of innocent blood but we do need to reach these women at the heart level and talk to them face to face one on one and let them know about the error the practical error the day to day error in their decision and the eternal error of their decision okay so with that said um, I actually went longer than I thought um, And it's funny as, as I spoke My voice got clearer But that's all I have for this episode I want to thank you guys so much for listening Thank you so much for bearing with me As I've been recording from um, Atlanta With my family And hearing all the noise of my niece and nephews But um, you know children are a blessing And no matter how people feel um, About you know the things that children bring into our lives ultimately they're a blessing and ultimately they're our heritage right so we need um a legacy so to speak to you know be, we have to be fruitful and multiply and populate this earth so there's going to be generations that happen after us so you know let's have these babies <laughs> but prayerfully we, we're having these babies in the confines of marriage right through the through the order that the lord put in place which would allow us to avoid a lot of the issues that um, people tend to deal with when they don't. Um, we want to say anything to the people before we go? Mm-mm. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, on that note, <laughs> thank you for listening. Truth and Fire, the podcast has been brought to you by truthandfire.com, where we explore faith and pop culture from a witty Christian perspective. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, let us know. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Verite Efu. That's V E R I T E E T 
F-E-U. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We hope you'll join us next time. Thanks for listening.